0: As-salamu alaykum. You're listening to Tech Sisters Stories. Tech Sisters is a community that supports Muslim women in tech through storytelling and sisterhood. My name is Grace and I get to interview the amazing women in our community, share their stories and the lessons they learned. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, today on Tech Sister Stories, we have Humaira Hanif. Humaira is a software developer and team lead with an unending passion for learning. She's been involved with numerous projects across the software stack, solving many problems within scalability, usability, and infrastructure. Humaira is known to always bring vision, creativity, and empathy in everything she does. We're so excited to welcome Humaira as our latest Tech Sister. Thank you so much for coming, Humaira. Thank you for having me, Grace. (laughs) Awesome. So how about we just start at the beginning? How did you first get into tech? So it's been
1: a, a bit of a journey for me, I guess. I think even since I was a child, I've just loved tinkering with, with tech, um, whether it was on my family computer back in the day. Um, I think I just found ways to make tools for anything that I needed to, to get done. Um, and I didn't know that that was a writing scripts or some kind of programming as it was back in then. Um, I didn't really know that w- what I was doing. For me, I was just trying to solve problems. Um, I think when it came to like picking mm. what to study at university, and there was just so many disciplines to choose from. it's I think at that stage, you think, what can I build a career out of? Um, and I really wanted to pick something where I know I would have some kind of an impact in the world. And it's it's quite overwhelming when there's so many options out there, I think. Um, I, think I knew of the subject computer science. Um, I didn't really get what it was. I didn't actually understand what programming even was then. Like People kept saying computer science has a lot of programming and I still didn't really know what that was. But what I came to find was that tech intersected with all different sectors. So when I spoke about having some kind of an impact in the world, I think tech really was my door into into that kind of world and seeing what I could do. Um, so I think it was a bit of a leap of faith for me. Um, I knew I liked maths and I knew I had some kind of a passion for technology. And uh, alhamdulillah, that leap of faith really worked
0: out for me. Alhamdulillah, that's excellent. I really like how you're already bringing in the... The drive to make an impact on the world and use technology as the means of doing that.
1: Absolutely, I think, and um, we just hear about programming and like building websites or, or doing this kind of stuff. But I think ultimately, what where the disconnect comes in is is we're building things. We might be doing it through the medium of code or not code <laughs> or however however we're doing it. But ultimately, unless someone is using what we're building, we're just working on on potential side projects or, or learning new things. I think, and I think it's really that connect with. Um, knowing that someone is going to end up using what I'm building and I think that message really gets lost when people talk about like tech careers in general and um, but we have the impact to really change the world of what we're doing and I think we're really seeing that now like there's no sector where tech is not changing things and disrupting
0: things yes, yes and I think there's the potential to do so much good as well as great harm and it's um it's very interesting seeing how more and more developers are are really encouraged to do tech for good and they're excited to they're challenging their companies to be more ethical.
1: Absolutely. I think we all have a social responsibility. And so if we can find a way to use our skills for the betterment of the world and the society that we live in, then
0: that's all the better. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. I can kind of only go back. You were saying that when you were a kid, and <laughs> you were using uh, technology as sort of a tool to so- solve problems, not so much with programming. Um, I'm wondering if you have like an example or like a, a story of little Humaira. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I think the most thing I can think of is the patchy internet connection that we used to have oh, yeah and it was just about me learning like um for example on the command line like how to ping and understanding networking and that kind of stuff to figure out like all I wanted to do was watch a YouTube video and it was really stopping me from being able to do so <laughs> so even like small things like that um nothing groundbreaking just me trying to be a kid <laughs> um but I think it's it's literally just just those kind of things like I think technology increasingly was becoming very much part of our lives um, and there were barriers into doing so as well so it's just kind of trying to solve those kind of things.
0: Yeah definitely and I mean you're saying that it's just sort of kid level things but it's really interesting when you look at how kids engage with technology today like my daughter is um she's nine and they use a program called scratch which is a really easy drag and drop no code sort of thing to teach kids how to code and yes. you look at the things that her and her friends are doing and they're building quizzes for each other and they're making little games and they're doing for loops and <laughs> you know it's um it's it's really cute seeing how they're uh, interacting with technology, interacting with these code blocks, but in a way that's like really fun and natural for them, and they want to do it on their own. You know, Definitely, I have to push them to do. It's fun. Absolutely,
1: I think that that's kind of the disconnect that I had when I first started looking into kind of what I could do with with tech. Um, is that all? What I knew was that it was programming, um, and I'll be learning networking, and I'll be learning all of these things. And I, it was it's a bit difficult to try to apply that into a real world scenario, but I think now people are really seeing that what you can build in, these, in in the world with technology and what problems you can solve. Um, and I think that's a really great thing for people to be able to see because ultimately, like it, it can sound a bit boring that you're just sitting there writing code. Um, but if you think about like, look what I built myself using my computer, like that's, that's the big drive
0: for me. Yes. So that's perfect. Yes. Yeah. So we're talking about what the next question is, what motivates you? And we're talking about Um, having this impact and building something that people are interacting with and that makes people's lives better. So how are you transferring that into your day job, into just the thing that you're doing every day? So I think for me, um, kind of what brings the drive
1: to life, I guess, is like working in a team. And so, I mean, you have highs and lows within a team, but I think ultimately sharing that with other people, um, you've kind of seen the setbacks and the hurdles you have to go through, but then you reach your milestones and together you've come to build like a tangible product and then you get to see people using it I think that's that's really kind of what gets, gets me through the day job is um when those logs start coming in and you start seeing those numbers of people using the thing that you built like that really really drives me I think that's the best thing about it and then kind of yeah. celebrating with everyone on your team as well and just saying that like look what we've done isn't that amazing I think that that's really
0: makes it all worth it for me yeah, absolutely. There, there is something really powerful, like when you're seeing those analytic numbers and also when you actually talk to your users and like, oh, my God, you actually used a thing that I spent four weeks making.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the best thing ever knowing that like something you built has really helped someone do yeah. their work better or, or just improve their life in any way.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So you're talking about your team and how that's really energizing your work and making it meaningful. Um and I know you also said that as a team leader you try to cultivate this environment where there's a culture of collaboration and support. So how do you go about doing this?
1: That's a really good question. So there's there's kind of two parts to this. And I think yeah. firstly, when things are going good, it's really <laughs> easy to be able to do so. Like we're gonna support each other, things are going amazing. Um But people ultimately need to know that they've done something really well, if things are going good. And you kind of have to understand, like everyone brings their own motivation when it comes into a team. And so it can sometimes take a while to kind of recognize what motivates people individually and try to find opportunities for them to be able to do that kind of work. And also just making other people look really good, like to other people, I think that can be really nice. And so then they know that they've done really well. Um, and I think I really, really like hearing that other people want to be in my team. Like that for me is like, yes, <laughs> like I, uh, that's kind of what I strive for. Um, and I think ultimately just like try to be nice in every interaction when things are going well. Um, because on the flip side, sometimes things don't go well in a yeah. team and that's perfectly normal not, not everything can be great 100% of the time um but it's ultimately not having any kind of blame culture where it's any individual's fault I think it's really important it really needs to be a team thing for example if a feature shipped and something's gone wrong it's not one individual person who wrote that feature it could be someone who didn't review the code properly or someone who didn't test it or for example if it happened earlier on in the life cycle, um maybe a problem wasn't caught there. So there's lots of different areas where things can go wrong, but ultimately it's an entire team thing. So it's really important not to have a blame culture. But also I think that accountability is important. And so as a team, it's really important to understand what went wrong and why it went wrong. And if we need to change our processes or our technology that we're using to make sure it doesn't happen again, then that's really important. So it's it's really stuff like that, just trying to make people's lives and work easier as often as I can. I think it's really important. Like For example, we often have retrospectives and sometimes like actions are written down and nothing ever happens from them. But for me, it's really important to kind of go back on retrospectives and make sure that there's nothing there which um, someone has complained about that's been left and nothing's happened since. I think it's really important if people kind of have the courage to speak up that their problems are tackled as well. So I think ultimately, that's kind of how you get that collaboration and support. Um, it's just by kind of being with your team as much as possible and helping things to become easier celebrating your wins and learning from your mistakes Um,
0: yes yes and I think um you're touching on lots of different points of being very honest and genuine with each other having this environment where there's complete trust where if you are investigating something um they trust that you're not going to blame them. They trust that you're going to listen to them and to action the things that they have concerns about.
1: Absolutely. And I think from my perspective, it took me a while to find my own voice in a team. And Mm -hmm. I know if someone does speak up, it might not come very naturally to them. Um, And if someone is being brave enough to speak up, then it's my responsibility as a team leader to make sure that um, I rectify that and that they don't face
0: that problem again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And now it's just sort of coming into my head, but as a Muslim woman at work, are, are there any difficulties that come with, with this role of of being in this leadership position and yet also being a minority at work?
1: I think there definitely can be. Um, I think some of my work has been quite international and okay. I think that can be interesting because when you're in your own local community, things can feel really safe. Um, and when that work does span Across the world there's all sorts of different ideas that can come around um and I think communication across different cultures can also be can also be one thing to um think about I guess um I think it it can be I've ultimately tried not to think of that as a reason um and if I do feel uncomfortable in something someone said to me uh, I would like to kind of rectify it there and then and I think by facing that problem there and then, it makes obvious to other people that they can't also say anything in that arena as well. So I think that's really important. Ultimately, I feel like I've been quite lucky and fortunate in some ways that I've had some people who really supported me in kind of getting to those places. Um, And that kind of comes from like leadership, I guess. And it can be difficult when some people who work alongside you kind of don't really buy into those ideas. But ultimately, if someone's trusted you to be able to do a job, they know you can do it. And so it's just about giving your best.
0: Yes. So there is some external validation to help you get through if you're having some inner doubts. It's like, I'm in this position for a reason and push through it.
1: Absolutely. And it's not just external validation. I think it will um, has to come from from yourself as well. Ultimately, people can say what they want um, and support you in certain ways, but you really need to feel like that you're capable of doing something too. And so the external validation can definitely help. But it's really important to have that confidence within yourself too which isn't easy and it didn't come naturally to me, I would say. Um, but it's, it, it's something I really worked on and, and that I've really found um, has helped now. I think sometimes I still do have to work on it as well. Um, But I've been quite fortunate that I've had people steer me in the right direction.
0: Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. So when you're first getting started, that confidence is really hard and uh, hard to protect. It's something that you really have to nurture and grow. So how did you do that? You're mentioning that you have mentorship and support, but... What else did you do to help grow your confidence into leadership?
1: So I think one thing is, ultimately, it's important that we learn to step outside our comfort zone, which is really, really difficult. (laughs) Um, Because ultimately, we're comfortable for a psychological reason, whatever reason that might be. And I think the first time I ever did step outside my comfort zone, I wasn't expecting to have great results. um, But alhamdulillah, I did. And even now, when I face something where I'm like, "Whoa, this is really new to me, how am I going to tackle this? I think ultimately our biggest successes can come from when we do step outside our comfort zone. Because if it's something that we're used to doing and it goes well, we kind of expect it to. But when it's something that we're quite unsure of and we've stepped outside our comfort zone, we'll feel that as a really big success. And I think ultimately, it doesn't happen overnight, but we'll build up those successes over time and it can just make it easier the next time that we do decide to do something. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm wondering if you keep a record of your successes.
1: Yes, I would say it's quite common for me to be able to do so. (laughs) I think it's also important to keep yourself grounded. And for example, if something does go really well for you to have those people that you can say, I did this for, and it went really well, um, and they might say to you, It wasn't that good. It's important (laughs) to kind of be grounded at the same time too. Um, But yeah, ultimately, I think it really does help with your own. If you have to look back over the last year and see what you've done well, I do try to keep like a kudos folder. Um, So it kind of just kind of tells me that um, these are the things I've done. Ultimately, you get lost in your day-to-day work and you forget about all those little things, but but they do add up ultimately. And it's important for me to know, and also for other people to know that there are lots of things (laughs) um, or some things, depending on the year, um, that have gone really well for me or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, such a thing with programming. Well, I suppose it's other thing. but with programming and you get really stuck into a specific issue and it's just hours are ticking by and you're not figuring it out and you're so deep in it and then you're like, Oh, I'm so stupid, I can't figure this out and then it really helps go and take a break, take a deep breath, step away from the screen and then have a look back at your past at all the wins, like, Oh, yeah, I'm actually I'm actually not dumb. I've actually <laughs> I did all of these things. <laughs> Absolutely, but
1: I think that, that's that's the drive and when you do push yeah. past that and you do see that victory or that win, then you do feel really good about yourself. Um and that's part of our life. I think there's not <laughs> there's not many careers where you see a big angry red error on the screen when yeah, something that you, really like you. It. Yeah. So I feel I feel like for, for us programmers we do kind of have to see the red and the green. It's a very obvious thing for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it.
1: Alhamdulillah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and so this is another thing. So you're the senior software engineer and you did the whole track from computer science student all the way up to where you are now. Yeah. So what does it mean for you being a software engineer? A senior software engineer. And uh, how do you know when you've reached this level?
1: So I think it can vary across like lots of different companies. Everyone mm-hmm. seems to have their own kind of meaning of what it means to be a senior software engineer. I think some places might think that you need to specialize in one technology and be a real big expert on it whereas other places might prefer you to be a more general and some places might want a bit of both as well Um, there's not really a one-size-fits-all and so I think the technical side of it is is ultimately just kind of reaching a level of proficiency where if there's ambiguity in what you're doing you're really able to be able to take pieces of work that don't have all the details and still deliver something I think that's something that's really important Um, and it's ultimately it's ownership and it's not ownership of just building something it's ownership of building something and then seeing it past once it's gone live or once people are using it and being able to support it as well I think there's also a big side of being a senior software engineer where there are soft skills that come into play so that might be teaching it might be Um, You might be an expert in your domain. So, for example, some e-commerce companies really prefer to have e-commerce developers because of how intricate the domain is. Um, So there's lots of different sides of it. In terms of like how you know you've reached that level, I think delivery is a really big thing that kind of shouts out to me. So ultimately, just being able to be a little bit more independent in taking something that might not have all the detail there and being able to, to ship something out to your users and kind of see them use it and support it from there on out as well.
0: Yes, I like how you bring soft skills into it. I think that's something that can be neglected. (laughs) If someone goes uh, very deep into the tech stack and is just a real coding wizard, um, but then they can't share that knowledge to the rest of the team. um, Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Yeah, I think that's
1: very true ultimately having a superhero developer can actually set the team down, ultimately. Um, You really do want that to be shared out with as many people as you can. And I think that's really important. Um, And like I said, I do try to make sure that I'm nice in every interaction that I can be. And I think soft skills really does play into that.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately, when you're talking about how you're making people feel and, and you're in a leadership position, people are going to remember the way that you were talking to them, the way you're communicating with them, the way you're sharing knowledge, more so than the lines of code?
1: Absolutely. I think that's very true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's that's very, very true. And I think you can. there's certain things that you can learn when it comes to shipping lines of code as well. Every project you're going to work on is going to be different. Um, but you're interacting with other people. I think some of that does come down a little bit to your nature. Mm. And... It's some, sometimes people might have to exercise their soft skills a little bit more uh, depending on the interaction but ultimately when you're de- delivering features as part of a team you are part of a team and it's important that kind of everyone feels that they have a space and so soft skills can be really important in that aspect
0: mm-hmm. alhamdulillah yeah and i'm really liking hearing how this is such a priority for you your soft skills and your drive to make an impact and to build things that benefit people Uh, So I'm curious about if there's a story about a project that you've did in a tech for good area. Um, So how are you able to use your tech skills for good? Um, How did it benefit other people? How did it benefit you? So I think for me,
1: finding community projects can be a lot easier than thinking of ideas on my own. And I think we've got a lot of different communities out there that can help you. So years ago, there was a community called EmpowerHack. Sadly, they're no no longer around anymore, but their focus was on helping women and children refugees, which is a cause that was very close to my heart. There was lots of different projects that were kind of going around. I think you learn lots of things when you work with different people anyway, and there might be a new technology that you might pick up. But ultimately, it's about having that impact and knowing that what you're building could potentially help solve some of the crisis that we see around the world. So I think that's one thing I I would say is really important. And I think when you work in an industry like software development, ultimately your nine to five is kind of having clients and delivering things for your clients. And so finding opportunities where our skills can be used for any good in our communities is really important as well. And if we're currently living in an age where we see technology solving all sorts of challenges around the world, it was, it's really beautiful to see it come together to solve problems within our own community as well. Yes. So I would say the benefit for me was definitely just learning something new, hearing different perspectives, and ultimately building something which had the potential to really impact other people.
0: Mm. Yes, I really like that. You're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You're exposing yourself to new narratives and people in different situations. And so you're coming out of it a much more rounded person, which in turn is going to make you a better leader at, at your nine to five
1: inshallah that's the plan (laughs) yeah I think I think ultimately we are a product of all of our experiences and by putting ourselves in lots of different experiences learning from all the different people that we interact with will make us a more
0: rounded person I guess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes I think really kind of the magic sauce is if you're able to have your nine to five be at a progressive company (laughs) where you are (laughs) where you have a connection with values driven work
1: absolutely i think it's it's definitely the magic source and it's quite rare in a world where we do have bills to pay and everything to do um Mm -hmm. and it can definitely put the pressure on but alhamdulillah it's for me it's quite easy if i'm not seeing that a a company is aligning or is not delivering values i want then it's not something I have to think too much about. And I did go through a period of job hunting last year where there were a lot of offers, especially in London. There's quite yeah. a big kind of banking sector when it comes to technology. Yeah. And for me, alhamdulillah, Allah made it really easy for me to say no to certain places which they weren't delivering the value that I wanted to see in the world.
0: Mm. Yes, I, I know what you because I'm also in uh, the lo- greater London area. And I know the types of companies you're talking about. And uh, (laughs) ah, ah, Alhamdulillah, I'm very fortunate. The company that I work at, Happy Porch, is a very, very, very focused, driven company. And we always work on these really great values projects. So I am very grateful that I fell into that. (laughs)
1: Alhamdulillah, things Um, generally work out when you have the best intentions, i found. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, wherever you are in your journey, and if you are at a company where you're not feeling happy with, that is a part in your journey. That's a part of what things are intended for you. And it's all leading up to you becoming the person that you are, where you're saying that you're the sum of your experiences.
1: Absolutely. And I think if people are in those situations, it's important to understand you're still on your journey and you're still learning things that can have the potential to impact
0: someone in a great way. Wonderful. Yes. Absolutely. Like, even if nothing else, you're learning what not to do. <laughs> Absolutely, which is
1: actually very important. There's always a lesson to be
0: learned. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Um, yes, and so you're talking about how uh, with these uh, tech for good and using your skills better people, you're saying it's easier to find community projects that are already existing and use your skills to help them. So how can people find those?
1: Yeah. And I think the reason I say it's easier to find a community project is because I think where I lack is probably finding the connect between seeing a problem and then uh, seeing a potential solution. So to me, that's definitely an area where I lack. And so if someone already has an idea, I'm like, yep, I'm going to go behind this. i will
0: going to build your website. I
1: can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's me. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of, I think it's it's a skill that... um It's a skill that I don't have and it's a skill I would love to build up, but I'm not quite there yet. And there are people that do it way better than I do. Um, Mm. So I'm happy to support them. I think our own communities, uh, such as like Dean Developer Hackathons and Mm. other hackathons that happen, there's always a drive to kind of look at the problems that we have and and try to solve them. And so it's really nice to kind of see these initiatives come together and all sorts of people can get involved in them as well.
0: I'm really glad that you shout out Dean developers because I'm so amazed by what they put out at their hackathons um Marshall it's incredible that that they're able to make these connections with these uh, you know charitable organizations and then actually have a product in such a short amount of time that is delivering real good um, absolutely
1: and I think me it, it really highlights that even over a weekend if you solve if you focus on a particular problem um how much impact a group of people can really have over such a short amount of time as well
0: Yes, yes. That that's the really cool thing about hackathons is any any other time when someone asks you for this feature, it's like, oh yeah, two weeks. But, then, <laughs> <laughs> but when we're all together and we're all uh, you're working for the same goal for the same purpose, everything is aligned, then it's so fast,
1: <laughs> It's so true. And I think I've used the phrase many a times in those hackathons, no best practices are being used right now.
0: But it's okay. It's fine. We're going to solve the problem. We'll get this MVP out. <laughs> it's it's very true. The best practices later. Next iteration. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh, this is fun, Himera. Okay. So, what is the thing that you're most proud of? Oh, what was it and why is it so special to you?
1: I think if I circle back to kind of the early on in my career where I was part of a quite a deeply technical project where I hadn't had any experience in that tech stack at all. I think even hearing some of the words that were flying around the room were totally alien to me. I was more of a back-end developer, and this was more infrastructure engineering, which Uh I then came to hear of as DevOps at the time. And this was a new paradigm to me, totally. And I think at that time, I just remember sitting in the room, saying, how am I ever going to help with this project? I don't even know what's going on. And I think that was the first time I really took a step outside my comfort zone. And this is a project that's really quite close to my heart, just because it was the first time I think I really got validation from the wider organisation, so not just within engineering, that what I had, had done and how it had helped the business deliver value. And I think for me, whenever I do think back now, for example, if there's a time where I have to learn something new and I'm feeling a bit uneasy or not so confident about it, I think back to myself then and how I felt at the beginning of that project and how I felt by the time it finished. Um And it's a feeling that I really do want to chase again and again, <laughs> as much as I can, <laughs> to see how kind of I, c- I can grow myself. Um I think there's always one story where someone has stepped outside their comfort zone and it just takes one step and it can lead on to such amazing things. And it's something I carry both in my professional but also in my personal life too. Um, there's lots of different opportunities that I've taken since then for example I was alhamdulillah I was lucky enough to be able to visit Jerusalem a few years ago oh, and I think I think whenever I've thought about it before it's always like it's going to be a really emotional journey for me am I going to be able to do it and ultimately that journey is bigger than just myself and by really just stepping outside my comfort zone it's it was such a memorable journey alhamdulillah
0: alhamdulillah so you had to go to Al-Aqsa
1: yeah, alhamdulillah. It was so, so lovely. It's oh, definitely
0: one of my favourite trips I've ever had. <laughs> oh, alhamdulillah. I'm so happy you're able to do that.
1: Yeah, and inshallah, I'll get to the vaccine as well.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, inshallah. What's something in your journey that you regret or you wish you did differently?
1: So I think there's definitely been a few projects where decisions have been really slow to be made and it's ultimately affected how fast the project was delivered. And sometimes this means that it's taken up more time than we kind of anticipated to deliver something. And when you're part of a business and, for example, there's a marketing function that is waiting on for you to do something, um, delivering things late can be a really big problem. And I think ultimately what I think myself and the rest of the team probably should have done is just kind of make decisions a lot faster I think this was kind of in a startup-like company at the time where you kind of do have to make decisions really quickly. I think I just didn't have the confidence in myself to kind of be firm and say, I really believe that we should do this and kind of go ahead and just do it. And I think I've learned now that sometimes you just got to take a leap of faith and learn from it if it's wrong and learn as quickly as you possibly can that something's gone wrong. I think it's better to do that rather than kind of sit around for weeks, kind of think about what decision to take, um, which way should we go down which route should we go down, what technology should we choose, and all of that stuff as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think there's something else there. You're saying that this is in a startup environment, and I think when you're talking about pressure from marketing, and that is such a typical storm scenario in those environments where everything just comes pushing down on the developer and there's just not enough time. Absolutely. There's never enough time
1: is what I've learned in a yeah, startup. Uh, yeah. I think you really, what I really learned from those kind of projects is to just optimize where you can. So what could I deliver fast while I work on optimizing a few things in the background where someone in the organization, whoever might that be, is waiting on my work? They can kind of get on with what they need to do while I can continue delivering potentially all the invisible bits um, that can still make the future but mm-hmm. they might still be able to do their work. So I think there's there's lots of optimizations I've learned from being able to do those kind of projects. Um, and I think that's really key when you ever do have a regret is to just to make sure that if something has gone wrong, which it inevitably will do, like mm-hmm. I mentioned to you before, we are met with a red-green <laughs> error or success, depending on what we're doing. Um, it's just important that when something has gone wrong is to to learn from it. I think that's really
0: key. Yeah, um, so I think when we're looking back at regrets, it's not really something that we wish hadn't happened. It's what are really the lessons that we've learned from this and how did this contribute to where I am now?
1: Yes, definitely. I think if everything went really smoothly for us, there would never be any lessons for us to, to learn. So I think while having a regret or a failure is not ideal and we don't feel great when it happens in in the moment, it's really important to be able to learn something from it.
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like we can go really deep here on just the nature of failure and how it's absolutely a requisite for learning and for life. But I think that can get a little bit down. (laughs) Maybe another day, Grace. (laughs) That's (laughs) a thing. Okay. Okay. And uh, final question. What's something or someone in your tech journey that you're grateful for? It doesn't just have to be one person, it could be
1: whatever. I think I like to call them all of my cheerleaders that I've had along the way. And I think it's really important, as any minority in tech, to have those cheerleaders. Because ultimately, when we are a minority, we don't have that same psychological comfort that other people do when they're in teams or in situations. And so, whenever we do doubt ourselves, it's really important that we have those cheerleaders near us to pick us up and to shout our achievements loud as possible and to let us know when we're doing something really well because ultimately that really makes us feel good in any kind of a situation so I think it's really important and I think it can also help when it comes to networking for people to be able to have your back in those kind of situations and to let you know that you've done something really well so I think I think if it's something and someone it's all of the cheerleaders I've had along my way in whatever aspect, I think, that they've kind of been a part of that that journey, where whether it's someone long-term or whether it's someone who's just done it at once. I think they've all added up and really helped me kind of along my way. And I think potentially another thing I could say is anyone who's ever reached out to me for any kind of help or guidance, I try to be as generous as I can with my time. And I think I've always noticed that, alhamdulillah, whenever I've tried to help anyone Allah has sent me some kind of a blessing from that interaction, whether it's directly or indirectly. And so I think it's really just having the people around me who've kind of trusted in me enough to be able to be a cheerleader or trusted in me enough to be able to ask for any guidance or advice. I think those are really important
0: people to me. Alhamdulillah. Oh, I really love how you're you're giving credit to people asking questions. So I think people are so... Um, it can feel so difficult and so scary to ask somebody questions sometimes, but it helps us as much as them.
1: Absolutely. Like I've said, like I think I've definitely learned new perspectives when people have asked me questions. Um, there's always a new angle of looking at something that I've never thought of that someone else has. So I think it's definitely shaped me in understanding how other people view certain situations as well. And like I said before, I've always found that Allah has found some way to put some blessing into my life from any of those interactions as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Alhamdulillah. Well, any other last words of this and Hamayra? Ooh, that's a good question.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I just want to say if anyone's ever considering like playing with technology or just understanding what it's about or anything I'd really encourage them to do so especially if you're a Muslim woman listening to this I think we're going through a time now where technology is being used in so many industries I can't actually think of any industry where it's not being used off the top of my head and I think it's really important that others Muslim women are really represented in all of these solutions that are being built what we don't want to happen is 10 years from now, we find that we haven't been part of these solutions and they've not been designed for us. And we've kind of been left behind from the way that the world is moving, I guess. So I think if anyone is interested in, in technology and also any other domain, I guess, I would really encourage them just to look into it. You don't have to be an expert, but I think some kind of literacy is just really important for our whole society.
0: I love how you're phrasing that. um, We don't want them to design these solutions without us. And that's that's so true. That is definitely what would happen if we don't have enough representation.
1: Absolutely. I think we've kind of seen it in the past where we've been left out of lots of different things. And alhamdulillah, there's a lot of us getting into the industry now, um, but we need more of us. And we need to make sure that we're part of these solutions as well, just so we can benefit from them
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah, And and for anyone who is curious about trying out technology and to dip their toes in the water, it actually it doesn't cost you anything. You can teach yourself these things for free. There's no code programs. You could do the kid scratch thing and that'll teach you basic elements. That's fun. Um so you can definitely get your toes in the water and try things out without making a major commitment. You don't have to have a CS degree. Um Absolutely. Well thank you so much, Myra. This was a really, really lovely talking to you. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. You've made me think about lots of different things today.
0: (laughs) I hope you like that story as much as I did. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to it. Please consider following us and leaving a review if you like this episode. That really helps us a lot. And if you're a Muslim woman in tech, please go ahead and join our community. It's free. It's fun. It's supportive. It's a great time. That's all for me. Assalamualaikum. i yeah.